Ring Ring. It's time for another episode of Crossplay Conversations, the show where we dive deep into the world of video games while keeping it light. I'm your host, Luke Lewis, and I am joined by my two co-hosts. First up, we have the Wii U Wonder Kid himself. It's Jacob McCourt. Hello, I got two vaccines today and I'm feeling great for now. Uh, thanks for having me. Let's talk about video games. Let's see how that progresses throughout the pod. I want, yeah, I want some my status partner, checks. Like, 10 minutes ago was like you asked me that same question one minute ago uh so we'll see how this goes perfect let's record for an hour plus podcast rounding out our trio it's the sneaker savant joseph hooper hello i have uh, Show us your I shoes. i've shown this before this is the i think the jordan one pine green Ooh, it's a lovely green, a green shoe i haven't really black worn this leather. many times i'm gonna be it's honest good shoe. But it's a decent shoe decent what episode shoe. number do you run out of shoes i mean that I can just easily grab yeah. probably like another six episodes, seven cool. episodes. Okay. All right. if, I, if I'm going through every shoe, I could, I, like, I could go for another 50 episodes. Maybe I like to incentivize people to at least check out the video version. It's there. It's cool. You can see some shoes. What else do you want? It is. It is. Um, but how are you, how, how are y'all doing today? How are we doing? Feeling good. I'm uh, Feeling excited good? to talk about these uh, these game awards noms because we've had some heated, not heated, but some fun chats in our in our group DM, and uh, I'm excited to bring them out for everyone to hear. Yeah. So today we're going to break down all of the recent game awards nominees, make some predictions, talk about biggest snubs, what categories we feel like are missing, talk about kind of the format of the game awards overall. But before that, let's jump into our icebreaker question. And I just wanted to get silly with this one, y'all, if I'm being honest. I saw this trending throughout the internet in the last few weeks, and I thought it would be a fun discussion. There has been some recent news in Hollywood recently that we are going to see a live-action Legend of Zelda movie. For better or for worse, sounds like it's happening. I want to cast the movie. So, highlighting some core characters. Who do we want to play such iconic characters as Link, Zelda, Ganon, and of course, Tingle? Hmm. What are we thinking? Hmm. Who comes to mind? Also, do we want this movie? I guess is a part B to this icebreaker question. <laughs> well, I'll tell you right now, when we're talking about live action movies, and if I want them, 90% of the time, the answer is no, I do not want them. So <laughs> do I want this movie? Absolutely not. We'll start there. Do you want to hear fair. my forecastings? I can I, just I, rat- I, rattle them off. Wait, do you guys want this movie? Or are you guys... I to 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 continue i am i don't want this movie i if it was an animated movie i'd be pretty stoked to be honest i thought the mario movie was a lot of fun and i think an animated zelda movie in a similar level of quality would be very cool and i was like pleasantly surprised by like what felt like really strange casting choices for the mario movie ended up working quite well that's a live action as soon as you throw that in the mix i'm like do we need this and the answer feels like no but will i probably see it probably i want to credit kelsey lewin who said that the legend of zelda is a game design game and therefore Mm -hmm. it lends itself really poorly to a like movie adaptation i'm paraphrasing but like i couldn't agree more that like name a story in a legend of zelda game that you can't summarize in three lines exactly impossible yeah impossible maybe twilight princess because there's some like supernatural goings on and things like but that's more than every other game i would say where every other game is he saves the princess midna says save the princess he saves the princess 
This is true. If there's another character in there. <laughs> Who are your castings, though? I'm curious, because to be honest, I don't even have like immediate people that come to mind because I also feel like what's going to inevitably happen is we're going to get like a 25 year old cast to play Link. And in my mind, Link is like a child or like a young adult. So it's just, it's going to feel weird. And I'm just not sure about this. But who you got? Timothy Chalamet is uh, is Link. Okay. okay. Sydney Sweeney is Zelda. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's like the Hollywood okay. it girl. Uh, Ganon, I'm going to give to Matt Mercer because I'm assuming that's mostly going to be voice and, and CGI'd. And then yeah, I want Kevin enough. Hart as Tingle. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's Kevin Hart. It's not terrible. Can't oh, no. you see it? I can see it. I can definitely see it. <laughs> I can't unsee it now, to be honest. Yeah, Tim- Timothy Chalamet came to mo- mind when I was thinking about this, but does is he too old or is he in that like Tom Holland camp or like even when he's in his mid to late 20s, he still looks like 16, 17 years old? Yep. He's a young looking guy. Okay, okay. He's I don't hate that. I think he's in I his 30s. Hate that. <clears throat> Unless you want to go like Jacob Tremblant, who is like probably 21 now. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know who that is. I was going to throw He's the out... kid in the room. Okay. I was going to throw out... I don't know this actor's name off the top of my head, but the the young boy in Jojo Rabbit, if anybody saw that movie. Oh, yeah. Okay. I don't know. He might be too old, though, but like, I feel like he has that like childlike innocence look mm-hmm. that Link has, and he's young, a younger actor, obviously, so I was going to throw him in the ring. Maybe the young kid from Belfast, if he's still a child, oh, if you yeah. guys saw Belfast. It's yep. a good movie. Man, yeah. I don't I don't know that many young boys, which I think is, you know, <laughs> I, think testament the... to, I think that's a W for me, if I'm being honest. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know who I would even think to play this role. Like I, I literally don't know. Like who who even like it's hard to visualize a link as a as a regular dude. Like Nobody, I mean, Timothy Chalamet, sure. I guess I can kind of get the link, the link vibes, but. Jeremy Allen White. Oh my God. (laughs) That's the thing is we could go like full Hollywood and just pick the like the hot folks. Paul Rudd is Tingle. Anybody? Paul Rudd is Tingle. (laughs) Paul Rudd could do it. He can do anything he puts his mind to. He's pretty versatile. I I think Uh he would be fun. Give me a. Was it Anya Charlotta from Witcher? Yeah. Uh, okay. As, uh, as, as, as Zelda. Zelda. That'd be cool. Give me, give me that. Um, I had one other person. Oh, yeah. Anya Taylor-Joy. Obvious. Gotta, gotta just cast her for all the Nintendo franchise movies. She is all Nintendo princess. Yes. Yes. Honestly, Charlie Day could do Tingle, too. I'm just gonna keep... Good. We could have some crossover there. Danny DeVito. What about The Rock as Ganon? I thought I was oh I was thinking David Batista or David Yo. Batista. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be fun. That would be fun. Big Dave rules, so give him all the roles. Doesn't he wants to do Marcus Phoenix in a Gears of War movie, isn't he that does. his his thing that he's campaigning yeah. for? I think he was yeah. DLC as Dave Batista for yeah. Gears Five. Yeah. I yeah, mm-hmm. I remember that. You know? Very that's weird cool. thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean respect. it's cool for sure. Okay. Well, we'll see when slash if this movie happens and if it ends up being good. I foresee a cutscenes at some point if this movie exists. So we'll tune into that for sure. But let's talk about the Game Awards. So 
we we have all these nominees, all these different categories. Um, high level, what were your impressions, y'all? Were you excited about the nominees? Did you feel like there were obvious snubs? What what surprised you with this batch of of nominations? I think this was very run of the mill. Um, this is about what I expected. Um, which is kind of weird to say because it was such a packed year, but I'm like, for the most part, this is pretty accurate. As far as like the most contentious categories, when I look into it, I would say like best indie game, despite the Dave the Diver controversy, which we'll talk about. I still think that one, I'm like, okay, I could, I could have saw, you know, a little different outcome here. Um, and then like the whole best action game, action adventure, section i think that's all kind of like all over the place uh so i have some thoughts about that but everything else i'm like this makes sense for sure yeah i think beyond the category stuff with action adventure action game there's also like a lot of folks who are not screaming but saying like the role-playing category it's wild to have you know something like Baldur's gate in the same category as games that like rpg is very wide like to have 16 Baldur's gate 3 and then Sea of Stars and Lies of P in the same category is just wild. And you almost need like turn-based and action to be their own categories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're all just such different games that I, I have a hard time even comparing them in terms of quality because they're they do different things well. I my initial take with these nominees was kind of interesting in that this was the first time where I wasn't like outrageously upset. For the most part, I think the games that I really wanted to be here are highlighted. There, There's quite a variety between indie and AAA. And I think games that I was worried about getting slipped under the rug, I'm looking at Hi-Fi Rush or Resident Evil 4 Remake. Those actually had a pretty big showing, which is cool to see. But, th- you know, there's always room for improvement. And I think I tend to like dwell on these categories that just don't make a lot of sense, which I think we'll get yeah. into today as well. I will say I was shocked, not shocked, but I mean, I loved Final Fantasy 16 and I feel yeah. like out there, there's a lot of people who were like, you know, it's a little light on the RPG elements. Uh, you know, it's sort of an, as, as an action game, it's, it's, it's very good, but not excellent. So for me to see RE4 remake there versus Final Fantasy 16 was truly like the only surprise. The rest of the stuff I'm like, yep. Okay. Game yeah. of the year. Uh-huh. <clears throat> but I know that's a contentious opinion. We'll talk about it. it. Yeah, it's. I I was surprised to see Resident Evil Two. I I didn't expect it to to make the cut in in a year that I feel like is pretty stacked. And I was also kind of surprised to not see one of those indie games highlighted in Game of the Year because it usually is the trend to have something in there at least the last few years. But yeah, are we going to come back to this, or should I just? Why, talk about should we just talk about this game of the year category? Why don't we? I think that's where we should start the conversation, and then okay. that kind of segues well into talking about snubs. So, so let's talk about game of the year. So, overall game of the year, our nominees were Alan Wake Two, Baldur's Gate Three, Marvel Spider Man Two, Resident Evil Four, Super Mario Bros. Wonder, and Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Well, I'll come out and say it. All right, go for it. I, go for it. Yeah. I am the resident. Final Fantasy 16 hater, all right? I'm going to say it. I, you know, stay up late at night praying on Final Fantasy 16's downfall, all right? Because, and it's not even because the game is bad. It's not even because the game's bad. The game is fine. Sure. I'm just thinking 
from my eyes, my whole argument is when this game came out, we all liked it. It's all, you know, oh, great cutscenes. Oh, got Clive. Oh, Joshua, you know, whole nine yards. But then everybody's like, oh, yeah, side missions, those suck. Just don't play those. Oh, this combat. Yeah, you know, it's not great, but whatever. Oh, yeah, the weapon RPG mechanics that don't do anything. Don't worry about that. I'm like, why are we trying to nominate a game of the year where you're saying you, you should not play half the game to have the best experience? In my opinion, doesn't deserve a game of the year nomination. That's just me. Granted, I mean, this is, this is a, I mean, in this year, in a, in a year last year where, you know, Stray is, you know, a heavy hitter game of the year Stray. title, I think Final Fantasy 16 deserves a nom there. But when we're talking about six polished games, almost zero flaws, no edges, and then we're talking about, yeah, don't play the side missions on Final Fantasy 16. Come on, man. And I, I'm glad the people or not the people, the journalists rose up and stood for what's right. All right. I didn't even play Resident Evil 4, but I promise you, if it has side missions, they're probably better than Final Fantasy 16. I don't know. Resident Evil 4 is very good. I, I will say, looking at this list, it just, to your point, Joseph, I can't pinpoint any of these games and say this doesn't deserve to be here or this is a weird choice or like, albeit if folks are surprised by Resident Evil, I'm not like the quality is so good that it does deserve the spot. Like I was surprised to see it, but not because it's like a weird pick. If that makes sense. What do you think? It's a remake though. I was about to say, yeah, that's the, that's the big question, right? I mean, should this, do you, since you brought that up, Jacob, do you think remakes shouldn't be allowed? I mean, sometimes I think, feel like we have to get a little pedantic and like, you know, debate things that ultimately don't, matter in the grand scheme but re4 remake was almost a a full new game and they added some things that were not in the original game it remixed some of the stuff that we were used to so like do i wish that there was a game that was not a remake in here yes but is it allowed to be here yeah i think so i think that's fair i think that's when we get into that like remake versus remaster conversation and like Mm -hmm. metroid prime remaster isn't here and i Mm -hmm. think that kind of makes sense to me albeit that is a fantastic game as well but i think we're celebrating an innovation in a sense so like new makes sense i would say that if you if if it came out a next year we're banning remakes remasters out of the game of the year category sure like I'm not if I heard that I wouldn't be like oh, how dare you I'd be like okay that makes sense but there's a there's a common thing you'll hear in sports where it's like oh you'll get a penalty from for taunting or whatever like in football and basketball you get penalties people say hey if you don't want them to taunt play some defense get your scores up win win the game I say the same thing about the game wars <laughs> if you don't want a remake in there Final Fantasy seven, uh, 16 should have been better than the remake. Wow, I mean, you just threw Get Good at the Game Awards. Well yeah, done. I'm, <laughs> I'm just saying Final Fantasy sixteen, Starfield, Get Good, be better yeah. than the remake. So that said, with, with Game of the Year, we, we talked about the surprise of Resident Evil. Do we feel like there are games across this list that are missing? What are the, what are the biggest snubs for y'all that you were surprised weren't highlighted here? 
I mean, besides Final Fantasy 16, which we've debated to death, um, my thought was something like a Sea of Stars could have been a, a dark horse here and could have made it into the top six games. But if I'm if I'm looking at the list, this to me seems like a a, a debate between Baldur's Gate three and uh, Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, what I like is that there's the best game direction category which can then give Remedy their flowers, which if I'm a betting man, and Luke, I don't know if you want to talk about the pizza bet that you made and what you and Claire came down to, um, but in my mind, it's probably it's probably Baldur's Gate 3 takes the game of the year and then Alan Wake 2 takes direction. Mm. Yeah, to that. So for listeners that maybe aren't familiar on my other show, the Lukewarm Games podcast, my co-host and fiance Claire and I always predict every single category. And then we have a pizza bet for the winner who predicts the most categories correct. So you can go and listen to that as well for all of our in-depth takes. But yeah, if I remember, I predicted Alan Wake for best game direction and I said Zelda for game of the year. I feel like game of the year is kind of a toss up in terms of getting into predictions this year, but yeah, Alan Wake is like such a special game that I was really excited to see it highlighted in a year that's as stacked as 2023 is. Yeah, I would say like for at least for the game of the year category, the only game that I personally think not that I expected to be in there, but I would have really liked to see in there would be Cocoon. Yeah, because uh, I after beating both Sea of Stars and uh, Cocoon. Sea of Stars is a great game, but I don't know if it does enough to warrant like, oh yeah, this is this defines this year. Whereas Cocoon, I think in terms of just like new ideas and gameplay design and all that stuff is really like we're, we're reaching the top caliber on all fronts. So I, I would never expect it to be here because I feel like it's a very niche game when everything's said and done. But it would have been cool if it got a nod like that. And maybe on a less stacked year, I think it definitely could have snuck in there. So, yeah. I, I think that for me, that was like my indie front runner as far as like if I was going to pick one indie to represent them all, that one made the most sense to me. I haven't had a chance to play Sea of Stars yet. It's it's on my backlog, but I have heard a lot of good things about that one as well. So I have a question for you guys, which sure. could segue into a, a different discussion. So, uh how do you think people should vote on this? All right. Do you think that people, once the nominations are made, do you think it's now just voting for best game in this category for the most part, like best fighting game? Do you just pick the best game in that category? Or do you try and vote about which game closest resembles the description that the game awards gives, right? Because I think... I can't remember exactly. I, it was for best action adventure and Arsene and I on the player player podcast did the same like uh, game awards predictions that we always do and best action adventure specifically called out best combat plus puzzle solving and traversal. Mm -hmm. And like I was, I was talking through it. I'm like, given that very specific description of the category, legend of Zelda kind of hits all of those categories to a t every single category um whereas all the other like i would love for spider-man 2 to win best action adventure and i guess but like oh zelda beats it on puzzles so if we're really rating on bar for bar what the description is 
How do you guys think about that? Or do you guys just, you know, internalize all right, action adventure? I think Spider-Man to me says action adventure more. I think for me, I look at the categories and I know most of the time, like what a category means. But for me, it's, I then go and look at the three or four categories that like still like games for impact. What does that mean? What does games for impact mean? Uh, and impact is a really nebulous term in that like, Hey, you have games like Terra Nils in that category, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. You have Terra Nil, <laughs> which is about like environmentalism and you have Venba, which is about like your, you know, your family's roots. Uh, you have, uh, you know, a chance of Snar, which is about like hieroglyphics, language, etc. Um, it's nebulous, right? So yeah. That's sort of how, I, and I always vote from like, what do I think based on what I have played is the best thing in that category? And then if I mm. don't, I actually don't vote in the category because we mm. can't play everything. We sure. have jobs. This is true. This is true. Yeah, I think to that, there's a lot of sub subjectivity to it too of like my personal biases, what I think was a good game versus maybe what I didn't play or what didn't click with me. Um, to your point about the descriptions, Joseph, I think there's an argument to be made where like you can almost be subjective within the description. So like with action adventure, for example, like I read traversal and then my brain immediately went to Spider-Man because I think that game does traversal better than any other in the category. But to your point, mm -hmm. the puzzles are acceptable, but like mm -hmm. there, Zelda is exceptional in puzzle solving. So it's like, how do you compare that? I think Resident Evil was also in that category. So it's like, once again, like <laughs> yeah. the, these games, one is not like the other. Um, so that's where I struggle with several of these categories, just in terms of how vague they are. I like that we have multiple categories to celebrate multiple games, um, but we do get into the weeds of these weird nebulous zones where it's like, what are we really basing this off of there's i'm based on what i know of the judging rubric and the you know the creators and industry folks who vote on on these nominees i don't think there's like a rubric that they use you know this all ends up being personal preference what they played what they were able to make time for if the folks on their given team are passionate about a genre over other like that sort of thing so yeah it it's interesting I guess building off of what you just said, look, do you think that there is some sort of not conspiracy per se, but do you think there's games played? Do you think I don't know how if people I, I don't assume that people really talk to each other about their their actual votes. I, I think for what I hear, they that stays within the company who's voting. But do you think because there's always the discussions of oh well Baldur's Gate is going to win game of the year, most likely. So I'm going to vote for this here or that. Or do you think most people are just voting? Hey, if Baldur's Gate wins every category, that's just how it is. But I think it deserves the win for this. Or, or instead of predicting what other people do, what do you think? What would you do? I personally, I am in the similar camp with Jacob. Of I, I vote based on what I know of the category. If I have played the games if i have not played the games if i am knowledgeable on the category and that sort of thing obviously this vote is open to anyone on the internet that opens that url so that's where we get into the i'm sure there are crazy weird people who go in and try to like review bomb quote unquote different categories to skew the vote but hopefully the game awards has something in place to kind of catch that to a certain regard but like 
It, th- that but, may be in past years why we've gotten these like kind of sneak up surprises of like votes being split across like the two obvious choices don't win, but then a, a black horse, so to speak, emerges. Would you feel bad about nominating one game for every category? Are you conscious of that when you're voting or are you taking it category by category? I'm always taking it category by category. And yeah. I think it's it's good to remind ourselves and remind folks that are listening that the game awards is a jury and public vote sort of who wins and it's 90 percent weight towards the jury and 10 percent weight towards the votes yeah that's like beyond that there's a bunch of publications in a bunch of different countries as the game awards has gone more global they've added publications in certain countries um so sometimes when i think about last year when i see stray I'm like, oh, that was Europe that voted for Stray and got Stray in Game of the Year because that very much seems like a f- a French Scandinavian like sort of game where they were like, oh, that's the I I'm fr- I speak French so I can say this. Oh, that's the best game I played this year. Like that's what the the French publications in my mind are saying. Um, but as far as like, are they gaming it? I don't think so. I, I think that like if I actually heard kind of funny talk about their process where they sort of sent you know, the uh, document around to sort of get everyone to vote on every category. And then they sort of chose based on what everyone selected. So I think that, you know, there's a lot of, look, is there, I don't even think there's a publication that's gaming this. I think it's all, all above board. Yeah. I'm not trying to say it's not above board, but I'm talking about like necessarily when you're voting, right? And sure, Baldur's Gate might've been the best game of the year, but you're also like, I really liked cocoon i really liked alan wake too so you're like yeah Baldur's Gate is i guess it is technically the best game direction or whatever best narrative but it's gonna win game of the year so i'm gonna vote alan wake here because i want it to get his flowers not necessarily it's not there's nothing wrong with that i'm saying but i'm curious play, if people are voting that games. way versus okay okay yeah. do you think I those think games a, are played I joseph i think it probably i think yes i think they are because I mean, people want their game, their favorite games to get flowers. I think so. Like, that's just how it is. I think at the very least, the game of oh, this game will probably win game of the year, so I'm going to push for it in best action game, or I'm yeah. going to push for it in best game direction. I think that definitely happens, but I I wouldn't necessarily say that's like not voting how you want. That's just like trying to spread the love a little bit. But, and I agree. I agree. I'm just, I was just curious yeah. how you guys approach it. Cause I mean, I'm of, I see it in both mindsets. Cause it's like, sometimes like I look at best RPG and I'm like, all right. I mean, Baldur's Gate is going to win game of the year. So is this the time to give Final Fantasy 16 as flowers in the one category? Granted, no. I think if you're going <laughs> against the Final Fantasy no, 16, but... I mean, if you're going against the Baldur's Gate three, I don't think. There's there's no chance you can let something else steal best RPG, but in other cases I could see. I'll give it. I'll give it to this. I'll give it to that. I think that's fair. Uh, amidst these controversial debates within these nominees, I think there's one controversy slash discussion we have before we dig into a couple predictions. But I want to talk about this indie versus independent conversation it's kind of a big can of worms it's it sparked a lot of healthy debate in the industry but um specifically looking at best um independent game and best indie debut or debut indie game those two categories and 
Dave the Diver, developed by Mint Rocket, which I know, Jacob, particularly you're a big fan of. We all enjoy that game quite a bit, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts specifically on, is it an indie game? Is it an independent game? What's the difference? Where do these lines get crossed within these nominations? Yeah, so so I I tweeted the the tweet of like Mint Rocket is not an independent developer like they are owned by Nexon, which I right. think you even said this on your show, Luke, where they are a billion dollar company. They've been publishing games since the '90s. Uh, I think the debate comes down to: is indie a vibe, or is indie a size and formation of the business? Right. In my mind, independent is: are you a part or a subsidiary of a larger business? not hey it's a vibe because like and that's the challenge right like dave the diver has the vibe of an indie but it is backed by a subsidiary of nexon so i i would just love to see in future years like us really get to the point of like is this an independent game uh not just indies are vibes so i agree but i i wonder right because Baldur's gate three an independent game so if this if the if the if the definition was adhered to strictly this year and Baldur's Gate 3 came out it was nominated because it is an independent game we're talking about the best independent game i think without by any rubric Baldur's Gate 3 is the best independent game this year you see like little old cocoon little osia stars who else we got pizza tower dredge <laughs> do you then see Baldur's Gate 3 winning with their 10-year development cycle or whatever it's been and their whoever knows how many millions of dollars of funding. And do you say, hmm, that's tough. I don't don't know if I feel right about that. I mean, like, the definition from my understanding is, like, independent team outside the typical publishing system, which if I'm going to, like, stick to that definition, Baldur's Gate 3 then is an independent title outside of the traditional publishing system so Baldur's Gate 3 probably is eligible. I think I think the thing that'll happen then is jurors will then say but Baldur's Gate 3 is not an indie they have six studios they have or six locations they have hundreds of employees they've been doing this for 30 years we're not going to put them there. But ever the contrarian Joseph I see what you're trying to get to. Sure. I I would also throw in I think the best like argument on one side or the other that I saw was from Greg Miller on Twitter where he threw out if a 10 person team at Naughty Dog went and made a 2D side scroller we wouldn't call that an indie game just because visually it appears to be an indie game because of the crazy resources that that studio has similar to like Pentiment Pentiment last year from Obsidian similar vibes so it's just like I, I feel like it, it can't come down to vibes at, at the end of the day if we're if we're going to kind of justify it, because I think the whole point of celebrating indies or celebrating small teams out of that are doing it kind of bootstraps on their own and making it happen. So and things change over time, right? Like think about sure. Double Fine, like they would have made stacking 15 years ago. Right. That's an independent game. But if they put out stacking today, not an independent game, right? So stacking. it's stacking. What is stacking? Stacking's the it's game like of the, a Russian, the Russian doll and the, the puzzles. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I think it's also worth mentioning too, like you look at some of these studios and like, for example, like Vasai Games who made Venba is a very different studio in terms of support than Cocoon, who's getting su- publishing support from Annapurna, but then in the end, Venba also got 
I don't think it was publishing support, but like marketing dollars towards their idea Xbox presence and the Game Pass launch and that sort of thing. So it's like, I, I don't think it disqualifies an indie from being an indie just because they get, you know, some some marketing dollars. But it is kind of interesting amidst this conversation. I think. and I'm sure they got government well, grants too because Ontario, sure. where I live, is has great government grants for gamers, right? Uh, for people making games. So like government grants, does that count too? I don't know. Good question. Right. Let me let me tell you guys what happened here. All right, okay. I think this <laughs> is out. just this is so. Yes, Dave the Diver does have an indie look, but I think this is just a situation of a lot of the nom- nominators. They just got a they got egg on their face. All right, because I'm guilty of this too. Dave the Diver, look on my little indie channel. I got Dave the Diver in there too. I didn't know that they were owned by somebody, and neither did these people that nominated. I I don't think. When this got nominated, it was a I'm taking a stand. This looks like an indie game, so I'm That's gonna vote indie game. Point. People yeah. just don't people just don't know. And while I do think that Dave the Diver is uh the best game on this well, cocoon's pretty good. Dave the Diver's in argument one of the best games on this list. Um I don't think it will win just on principle because I think a lot of those people that voted Dave the Diver are gonna see this controversy and be like, oh man, I did not know that when I vote and I nominated them and they're just going to not vote them on principle. Um, so I think that is the situation. That being said to the larger picture, I think it, I think Jeff needs to come out and be clear next year about what the purpose of this category is. Is it meant to like highlight people that are literally just doing this on their own? Like is a ball is a Larian studios, a valid candidate for this category because they are dependent or is it based off of uh you know budget size is it based off of you know you know members studio member size like what is it that we are trying to highlight here um because i think there's a lot of people that uh, like qualify for this category that might necessarily not look right against more qualified candidates for this category so i think Hopefully we'll see some clarification next year or maybe everybody will just forget about it and it will be the same thing next year. I don't know. That's fair. Um, on the topic of Jeff and the structure of the game awards and clarifying the the, the stance of like the, the game awards as an organization, do you all think we're going to get any discussion of the layoffs within the, the industry, the the negative leadership? impact within the industry like these these broader themes that there have been a lot of calls for i think in recent weeks coming off of especially the bungee layoff and now we're totaling over six thousand game related layoffs throughout this year is that going to be addressed no absolutely not zero chance is that because of like you think like sponsorship tie-ins and like the buy-in from these brands or so disclosure Uh, I have done a marketing campaign that was in the game awards before. So I have a clear bias like for the game awards. So I want to call that out first, but I think there's two really distinct uh, differences between something like the game awards and the Oscars, right? If you think about the Oscars, the Oscars is run by the motion, uh, the, the Academy of motion picture arts and sciences. I want to look it up. Uh, The game awards is run by Jeff Keighley. Uh, The Oscars does not rely on advertisers. The game awards does. So it's really a, a matter of like, I think that he can make certain statements, uh, but I think at the end of the day, like you don't want to bite the hand that feeds you. Uh, I know it's a shitty answer, but I think like that's the realistic picture of what we're dealing with. Yeah. 
hundred percent. I think that's, that's why Jeff tries to keep it as clean as possible. And I think, you know, this might be a somewhat controversial opinion. I know because this is a game focused event and there are developers being highlight all that stuff, people say, oh, you need to call us out. You need to, Jeff is the guy who has the most power to make things happen. And I do think that is the case, but we always, we have to remember like, one, you don't want to bite the hand that feeds you. And two, a lot of people that are watching just don't care about this stuff as as it is. We are the core fan base that does care and that is tapped in. But a lot of people are just seeing the Game Award nominations for the first time and be like, oh, interesting. I didn't expect these random game, like, games to be there. I'm just going to watch because I watch all year. And this is when it brings out the casuals. It brings out the esports viewers or whatever. <laughs> and they all watch. And if Jeff comes out there and says, you know, we need to take a stand uh, against these people, these firings or whatever, all it is going to do is piss off these big companies that probably help fund it. Uh, it's going to go over the heads of the casual people and it's telling all the people that already know about it what they already know, right? So I don't, I do think it's a good statement piece, but I don't know if it provides enough value to the intended audience to make a difference there. Um, so I think, and that's unfortunate, but that's just kind of is how it is, right? Um, so. I think the only thing I'll throw out, and I, I don't disagree with what y'all are saying, like, I think objectively, like, Jeff has to operate in a business aspect in a way and probably won't make a statement. But it's just really tough for me to look at categories like best community support and see Destiny and the Bungie team that was just recently yeah. laid off that most of that entire team, Liana Rupert and company, like, and to then see that, like, now they're being celebrated weeks after that like i just think it's in poor taste to like let's celebrate the industry let's give this team that's actually no longer there with the company that did the work the award and the accolades like i don't know i hope maybe there's a balance that can be struck where it can be acknowledged just so it doesn't feel like so like infomercial corporate phony wall up but we'll see what happens but like i said i don't disagree but i i I hope I just wish there was a better way, I guess, ultimately. I also think like we have to once again, like think about Jeff keeps saying, hey, I'm not the one that makes these nominations. So a lot of times I'm sure he gets the nominations, looks at them and he's like, dang, <laughs> you probably sure. saw Dave the yeah, Diver on no. there and was like, yeah. dang. So like. It's also like, OK, the people who nominated this probably when they nominated it, they didn't know the bungee stuff was happening yeah. or I don't know. Um, so then it's kind of weird for Jeff to come in and make a statement about the nominations made by the actual nominators. So it's kind of weird because it's like, we want Jeff to take ownership of the show, but also the categories in the show aren't selected by him. So it's kind of like this weird line of like, when, when should Jeff make a statement when he, sh when shouldn't he is very weird. And, uh, I, I don't if I was in a situation, I'd be like, dang, this is absolutely trash. Like yeah, I, sometimes I don't know what to do. I wonder about the man and like how he deals with uh you know, every time just almost like seeing the minefield and just like having to just sort of walk through it. Um yeah. I think there are things that can be done that are not 
on a stage saying, hey, sure. this was the highest revenue year that the game industry has ever had, and yet we've <laughs> laid off tens of thousands of people. Maybe it's yeah. starting a fund. Maybe it's sure. like, uh, you know, there's other stuff like starting a fund. But I think as long as for me, the show continues every year to make small steps, like SGF from a representation perspective for folks that were on stage was brutal. And so I hope yeah. that, you know, it was corrected a little bit from ONL. And I think from the Game Awards, hopefully it'll be corrected even further. But to me, sure. as long as there are steps being made in the right direction, um, I'm happy. Like in what other show would you have a, a category, you know, specifically about accessibility? To me, like stuff like that is, is a win. And I just want to see yeah. continuous um, forward momentum for the show from like a like a cultural lens. Sure. And yeah, I don't. I want to come off as like totally negative on the game awards because I think ultimately like Jeff's single goal of celebrating video games and the people that make them, I think Remember is the very Spike admirable. Game awards? And yeah, I was, I watched those back in the yeah. day and we've come a long way from those. And I think like, to your point, like seeing, um, innovation and accessibility and seeing really awesome indies like dredge or Venba highlighted here, like that, that's really cool. And I, I don't want to discount that, but, you know, there's always forward progress to be made with representation with these social issues that are important because like they affect the people that are making these games that we're enjoying. So can yeah. I say a huge W in that respect for no nominations for Hogwarts Legacy? Let's go. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. I think yeah. Agreed, agreed, again, agreed. Not just <laughs> not just doing as uh that's the industry's doing. I love I love on Twitter when people are just like, How could they not nominate Hogwarts? It's it's fine. You know, one thing that I just I want to say before we move on, I'm sure, to sure. other things. The esports categories just continue to be very puzzling to me as someone who like follows esports and knows a little bit about esports. It's just so wild to try and put that whole it's like trying to put the ESPYs into the Oscars. And it just never does a good job at like conveying every single individual title, you know, giving their the flowers to each individual athlete within those titles. I just I almost wanted it to not be in the game or just because like they just can't do it enough justice. And there are, there's the esports awards and look, do they have the same profiles, the game awards? They do not. But to me, it's like, they always end up in the pre-show. A lot of like the actual athletes themselves and the teams are never there. And I'm imagining, you know, you know, companies like Riot who have titles that are in non-esports categories are sometimes like, but the esports awards, but I just sort of want that to go away. As much as I want Faker to get an award, uh, you know, there there are their own issues in the esports category. Look up what's happening in Evil Geniuses, one of the nominated teams, and then you can say words to me later. It's bad over there. That's all I'll fair, say. Fa fair enough. Fair enough. Well, there's to your esports minute. <laughs> our portion of the Game Awards conversation before we move into our next topic. I want to go around the horn. Let's make a prediction for what you think will win game of the year. Just so we have it on the record. Once the show happens, we can refer back to this and see how wrong we were or how right we were. Joseph, who, who do you got? Uh, I think with a, with a, what is it to say? With a bullet, Baldur's Gate 3. Um, okay. I, I was saying, I was thinking it was going to be 50-50 between Baldur's Gate 3 and Tears of the Kingdom, but I'm like... This is Cinderella's story, man. If Baldur's Gate 3 doesn't actually win, people are going to be upset. J Jacob? 
uh, Baldur's Gate three uh, with a bullet as well. Uh, okay. I think okay. you know. It's, I don't want to get into my Tears of the Kingdom thoughts again, but we're we'll just leave that for now. <laughs> we'll save that for Game of the Year. It's gonna come yeah. back. I know it's coming. Alan Wake Two Game Direction Game of the Year is Baldur's Gate Three. I mean, it's coming to Xbox in December too, so more players will get to touch it, and I'm sure that the marketing lift for that will be great. Yep. Luke just to be a little contrarian. I'm going Zelda for my prediction, mm. but I wouldn't be upset. If any of these games won, I think they're all deserving. I think Baldur's Gate is a very cool story to think about how an independent team made such a, like, it's it's very rare that you hear about a game that just hits in the way that I feel like Baldur's Gate has hit for folks. So I'm very, very happy for those that are very into that game. So, yeah, good year for games. Good year for games. Bad year for games. <laughs> games. Games. Best year ever for games. Worst year ever for games. Right. They're, okay. They're, it's a gray area. Um, so I looked it up real quick. I looked yeah. it up. You you said you saying uh, independent studio made made it made it a cool story, and I was just like, all right, I'm curious. What's the budget for Baldur's Gate Three? It's a lot. It's a lot of money. <laughs> one hundred million. Okay, I was gonna According say two hundred, uh, but one hundred million. Where did they get that from? The- that the what little they, the little indie that could you know the just with a small loan of a hundred million dollars loan, they yes. were able to scrap together one of the best RPGs of all time. So on that note of talking about games this year, we are going to do a quick little roundtable discussion of games that we've been playing. There's just too much going on to devote like single episodes to reviews of each of these. So thought it'd be appropriate to do a quick check-in we're going to talk about jusant slay the princess a little bit of alan wake 2 talk and then check in with jacob about spider-man um but why don't we kick things off jacob i know you've played a little bit of jusant and i i I finished jusant so what do you think of this one from from don't nod for folks who aren't familiar so jusant is essentially a climbing game that i think evokes a lot of um, the ethereal feelings that you would get from a title like a, a journey, uh, like an Abzu. Um, I want to hear what you think, Luke, because I think my opinion might not be as positive as yours. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, I really dug it. I, I completed it in about four and a half hours. I thought, um, from a gameplay perspective, I think the climbing is really cool. It, it's physics based and each, um, appendage arm is assigned to a button on the controller so you're using the triggers um, to climb and you're holding triggers with different amounts of tension to move up this uh, mountain structure and i just thought that was really clever i think the game's really pretty it has a very like meditative within nature vibe that i appreciated and i also thought the narrative was pretty compelling throughout you're finding notes from Um, people who used to live within these mountain ruins as you're exploring and you'll find kind of reoccurring characters within those notes and different um, things you're discovering and yeah I just thought it was really heartfelt it was pleasant it was a a joyful nice experience in this year of like massive triple a giant blockbusters it was nice to just play like a quaint little game that had a lot of cool things going for it I thought I've played maybe an hour to an hour and a half of Jusant. Okay. I'm in the second chapter of the game. And I think for me, I'm just struggling a little bit with the actual movement and the climbing of it, as well as the camera. Mm. So okay. I think the movement is a little bit too loose for my liking. But the most important thing is the the climbing has a very deliberate pace to it. 
Yeah. And I don't want it. That's not bad by any means, but I think that that's going to be, you know, affect people in a different way. So for me, having it be very slow and deliberate, I think for me at sometimes I, I don't want to say I was bored, but I was just very much like, I wish that this was 30% faster. Um, I'm not asking for an uncharted game, but I'm almost asking for <laughs> the climbing to be just a little bit faster. Um, yeah movement camera climbing for me which are sort of the center of the game i'm just sort of like that's the okay. core of the experience that's, yeah that's no, the that's whole game a, that's fair <laughs> i will say i did kind of appreciate that like you can pace it how you want in a sense once you get into a rhythm because mm-hmm. towards the end of the game where i felt like i had a really good grasp of the controls i felt like i was moving quickly but mm-hmm. i was like really going like left right left right left right like i was really like having to kind of push myself to do that which I think I thought was cool because I felt like I was controlling that and it wasn't the game mechanic that was like pushing me to go faster. It was like, no, I in this moment, I feel like I'm not taking my time and I'm getting up this cliff edge. But like, yeah, I could I could see that it it is loose, but I feel like. I don't know, it's almost intentionally loose mm-hmm. to in some so- regard. I played the the demo. The demo was surprisingly long, maybe like forty five minutes or so, um, and I liked it. I just went uh, bouldering, indoor bouldering nice. uh, earlier last week, um, and I really like how much attention to detail is there compared to like real life bouldering. You can see your character like shaking their arms, very similar to how, how real rock climbers do like, like all the, the the equipment and, and like all the markings and stuff all seem super detailed. So I really appreciate that. It's like, okay, they did their research and that's why I kind of like the deliberate nature because like, I'm not a pro boulderer by any means and i'm not even that good but like when you're doing like a certain uh challenge or like you know obstacle in the bouldering gym it is very much like all right i'm here how do i get over to there it's not just like okay it's easy i know it's more it's almost like a puzzle uh for each little climbing thing you do uh, and i think that's kind of mirrored perfectly by the gameplay in this game so i think people who like climbing will probably end up loving this game um but me personally, I think my gripe with it, I thought it was very relaxing, very fun. I the only part I really didn't like was like the the notes and stuff. Uh, I'm I'm a pretty big stickler when it comes to how I like my narrative in games and like what I want out of it. Um, so I was like, ah, oh, I don't. I'm reading a note about little Timmy who went to go get milk and his wife is trying to figure out where he is and stuff. So I'm like, ah, oh, I don't care about this. But uh, I do plan to play the full game and maybe it'll grab me then when I have the the bigger picture, but yeah, yeah. I would throw out to just since y'all are still early in the game. Like I think it goes places and I think you do get some variety is a weird one with this game. Cause like you're climbing the entire game. That is the basis of the game. But I think like they change like the verticality up, up, up quite a bit. They change kind of like the level you have to plan your routes later in the game. You do a lot of like, jumping off of a a platform and then swinging above like thousands of feet above the ground. And like that visually was very cool. And I think they also play with the visuals in a really fun way that rivals games like a journey or an Abzu as far as like cool abstract visual things are happening as I'm maneuvering through the world. So yeah, I I thought it was pretty cool. And for, for folks that are interested in giving it a try, it's a game pass 
game so you can check it out on pc or xbox so i think it's it's a really nice palette cleanser at least i thought between all of these bigger games and like i said i beat it in about four and a half hours so it's a it's a nice one to try to slot in there this year i think it's worth playing I will say the draw distance on the game is actually incredibly impressive yeah. because you can basically see like entire chapters worth of terrain in front of you. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was very cool, even though, you know, it's not got the most like high fidelity art style to it. I think the draw distance was like incredibly impressive. Yeah. I think on a technical level, I'd argue that it's um, don't not strongest game granted, like, life is strange and um tell me why and titles like that aren't like technical powerhouses but like i think they're doing some cool systems and things here so true colors don't not that was deck nine i think maybe don't not published okay oh no it's the don't not deck nine (laughs) confusion again I know Deck Nine developed True Colors because that's my favorite Life is Strange game. And so I'm like familiar with that yeah. one. Um, but moving on to another game, Joseph, talk to me about Alan Wake 2. I've been playing it. You've been playing it. We've talked a little bit, but I don't know your like high level thoughts. Yeah, I'll just be quick on this. Alan Wake 2, incredible game. Um, it's very interesting because I think from a gameplay perspective, like when we're really breaking down the core mechanics, there's some cool stuff there, but I think it pretty much gets bar for bar. It loses to pretty much every other game of the year candidate and even some non game of the year candidates in terms of specific gameplay functionality. But I will say what is actually there for gameplay, I think just lends so much to the overall vibe of the game and the overall feeling. I think out of all the games this year, the, visuals the gameplay the sound design the music the dialogue the story all of that comes together and builds such a perfect experience where i am scared half the time i am super interested to see where the next couple moments will go i'm always like in my chair leaning towards the screen uh, and i'm like completely immersed um despite like whatever issues the game may have or oh yeah like the the detective board isn't as in-depth as some people want it none of that matters because the all the components coming together is just super immersive to me and it feels like i'm watching an episode of you know true detective while also playing you know a super scary silent hill type type vibe game like it's just perfect perfect experience and I think it's the most creative game of the year uh, at that scale, for sure. Yeah, it's absolutely wild. I'm about 12 or 13 hours in, and you, you use the word experience, Joseph, and I think that's a really good descriptor for this game because I think this is arguably the best game experience I've had because I, I don't think there's another game this year that's like firing on all cylinders in the same way that Alan Wake 2 is in, in the way that... like the art direction complement complements the overall experience. The narrative is like doing all these crazy wild things that are then influenced in the sound design and the music. Like it's just like, it's the most interesting game I think I've played this year. And I I think we're going to end up doing kind of a spoiler conversation later in the year, because there's just like so much to unpack and this, wild like multiverse universe that remedy is building across all of their games i think is really incredible and it's something that could easily be looked at and be like 
this is so far up their own ass. Like, what is this? I don't want anything to do with this, but like remedy has pulled it off in a really incredible way where I'm like these references to other games. Like it, you don't have to know those things, I think to enjoy the game, but it's such a rich experience. If you've been following remedy since Max Payne, since the first Alan Wake and in their more recent releases with control, it's just like such a cool game. And it's one that like, I don't really do scary games, but like this game kind of transcends that because the narrative is so interesting and it's like, Oh, but I do want to know what happens. I do want to know what the heck's going on. And it plays with like your sense of reality in such unique ways that like I did a moment that um, Joseph, you and I were messaging each other back and forth about yesterday that like, I don't think I've ever experienced a thing like this 15 minute sequence in a game. And I know a lot of folks across the internet are hyping it up, but like, it's really cool. It's really weird. It's really interesting. And it's one that's like, I'm probably going to sit down with Claire at some point before game of the year and just like show her that sequence to be like, this game is wild. And yeah, I, I love it better or, or not as impactful as the ashtray maze. If you've played control. I'll turn that to Joseph because I didn't finish control. Mm, I would say it's as impactful for okay. sure. Yeah, I, I'm. I don't. I wouldn't say it's better necessarily. It's just kind of like a taste thing. Like it's surprising. That's for sure. It's more surprise. I would say it's more surprising than Ashtray Mage for sure. Um, but final note on Alan Wake Two. I would say this game probably is up there with Last of Us in terms of immersion. Like Ooh. Last of Us, I think from a narrative perspective, it is more a straightforward narrative where we're just telling you a cinematic story. But when I played Last of Us Part Two, when I picked up that controller, I immediately forgot I was playing a video game and I just wanted to, you know, explore and, and learn more about the narrative. Alan Wake Two is the same way where sure it's a lot weirder and a lot crazier stuff or is happening a moment to moment, but as soon as I start playing, I forget that it's a video game and I'm just like, what is Saga doing? What is Alan doing? What is happening in this world? Um, so I think excellent job there. I'm going to buy so many video games at Black Friday. It's going to be ridiculous. Go off. That's, I think I need to, I think I need Resident Evil 4, Spider-Man mm-hmm. 2, and Alan Wake 2. I need, I need to Resident try them Evil all 4 before for the sure. end of the year. Good luck. Good luck. Too many games too many games speaking of spider-man how's spider-man going for you jacob (laughs) yeah and then i'm playing games from 2020 instead of games from 2023 there's a method to my madness uh so i platinumed spider-man remastered and then i was like "Ah, i'm gonna take a break and i'm gonna play jusant and i'm gonna play say the princess you know put a little bit of time into both and said what if i start miles morales and then i started miles morales and why didn't i play these games until now they're so good holy smokes uh this game is great joseph you're right the theme slaps the all the music slaps in the game and i'm already 40 percent of the way through miles morales so nice boys cooking you're probably gonna play spider-man 2 at this rate i I think so game of the year you always love the updates, so i make sure and give you the updates because there's you know having watched spider-verse this year Mm -hmm. you know and and my mind being there as far as like miles morales as a character having some of the things happen in this game like around um uh your uncle aaron and sort of seeing him in the game and i was like oh i know where this is going Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but then there's characters that i don't know and i mean troy baker is one of the major antagonists in the game and so you put troy in anything and it gets me excited so uh that's awesome 
hopefully next time we talk, I will have beaten Spider-Man Miles Morales and I'm into Spider-Man 2 because I need to touch that this year. Very cool. I'm glad the like the positivity and momentum has kept up as as you're yeah. going through it because they're great games. But it's cool to see like you'll be able to see like the evolution so clearly of what like mm-hmm. they improved across the three games, which which is really dope. That's awesome. The Venom powers are great because I was worried like, oh, I'm just going to play the same Spider-Man. But like Miles has a distinct moveset. And yeah. although he doesn't have mm-hmm. some of the things I want, he's got Venom powers, which like add a whole new dimension to it. So I'm excited for Spider-Man 2 when that happens. Yeah, that's awesome. And closing that with our last game, um, Jacob, you and I have been playing some Slay the Princess from Black Tabby Games. I know this is an indie that we've all had on our radar since PAX East. Um, what do you think so far? You're about an hour in. I think I'm like roughly around there as well. Yeah. So for those who haven't seen Slay the Princess, it is a pencil drawn sort of, uh, I don't say point and click adventure game. It's more of like a narrative focused, you know, PC adventure game that's only available on Steam. Um, it focuses on, you know, you're essentially set on a path when you start the game of like, you must slay this princess, uh, go in this cabin, slay this princess. But it turns into a very, very different game. And Luke, I don't know how into the story you want to get here um but think mm, uh okay think of games like the stanley parable and you know games of that ilk and that's sort of what they're hitting on and i'm loving it so far yeah i'm i'm loving it as well i think it's one of those that's like know as little as possible and and just check it out but um yeah it's a great game to like kind of dim the lights in your room grab like a nice cup of tea or a coffee and just like immerse yourself in this like crazy mystery i think i'm gonna put a pause on it until i finish alan wake because i was having this like existential like i'm playing too many games that are like questioning my sense of reality right now and so i needed to like pause but yeah i think the art is incredible the narrative is very compelling and i think in a year where I've I've ended up playing a lot of like adventure style visual novel titles. And I think this one is like pretty transcendent in terms of like every time you play it, it's engaging in unique ways. And it's each playthrough feels very unique to me. And I know I was talking to my partner, Claire, who's been playing it. And like we have very different takeaways and things we've experienced. So if you enjoy like branching paths and like, um, complex narrative i think this is a really cool one i was shocked by not only the um the art which we know you know abby from if you've watched strip search from penny arcade you know Mm -hmm. she participated in that and you know meeting weirdly meeting her at pax was like a a bit of like a fangirl moment for me because i was like i watched trip search this is cool i'm playing your video game uh which makes me want to play scarlet hollow eventually which is their other game Mm -hmm. which luke have you played you guys have played that one I've dabbled in okay, it a little dabbled. bit. It's it's one that like I started playing last holiday season and then I fell off of it. And it, it's it's very cool as well and different vibe, but similar like gameplay structure, I would mm-hmm. say. I thought it was going to be sort of not that it was going to be a one trick pony, but I thought that there was only going to be like, you know, one set of twists. But there's like many. There's sets a lot of twists. Of twists. Yeah. yeah, I think it's, at one point there not to spoil specific things, but there's essentially an achievement that's like we're just getting started essentially is like the vibe of it. So I, and 
I won't spoil what that twist is, but when that happened, I was like, oh shit, okay. That's like flipping what I already thought this game was on its head in a cool way. I don't think it's a spoiler to, because I actually got that, it's like the first achievement you get, but the achievement, I will read it, is the real Slay the Princess starts here. Yeah, that's the one I, yeah, that's the one I was talking about, yeah. That's a video game for you. You can play a little bit too, Joseph. Yeah, I think I... stops like a little bit after that achievement okay. where like I went down a specific path and kind of saw it to the end and then some stuff happened and I was like huh this is cool and I stopped there so like uh, I do plan to go back to it I just wanted to focus all my I'm trying to focus all my attention to each specific game so that I can you know finish them and focus all my attention on a different one faster uh but yeah i'm definitely going to play it especially uh got some plane trips coming up for thanksgiving and whatnot so nice. i'll probably have it installed and playing it then as well very oh, yeah, cool thanksgiving is is next week for you guys huh it is it next is. week it, it is. is next week sense of time is weird it feels like it's still september but it's super not so it's there we definitely are definitely not all right, y'all. Well, that was fun. I think we covered a lot of games, covered a lot of gaming news and all that good stuff. Um, anything else for the good of the order? Where can folks find you on other places? You can find me on the internet at Jacob McCourt, J-A-C-O-B-M-C-C-O-U-R-T. And if you like Final Fantasy 16, uh, we are starting a Final Fantasy 16 two-part sort of spoiler cast in the Left Behind Game Club feed. So if you want to hear me, uh, friends of the show, uh, Katie Lesbrance, uh Flora Marigold, and uh, Dave Jackson from Tales from the Backlog talk about it, it's going to be a two-parter uh, that starts on November 22nd. So find awesome. that. Love it. Joseph? Yeah, you can find me at the Hoopman on social media where the E is a three. Uh, or you can find me at Player Player Pod, playerplayerpod.com. We have a Discord, playerplayerpod.com slash Discord. If you don't like Final Fantasy, let me tell you, come over here, join the Discord. <laughs> or st- we stay slandering Final Fantasy 16 on the regular. We let a whole spoiler cast over it. Uh, so, yeah. Amazing. And you can find me. I'm at Lukewarm Lewis on Twitter, and you can check out the Lukewarm Games podcast. Um, we're in the process for crossplay planning all of our game of the year coverage and things and fun shenanigans that we're going to get up to. That'll be coming in December, so you can look forward to that. But until then, we are going to set our status to away. But it, I need you to do three things for us. If you could follow us on Twitter at Crossplay Convos, send this podcast to a friend because that's how people hear about podcasts and give us a review on your podcast platform of choice because it truly truly helps and with that go play a video game question reality and have a good evening y'all bye